With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the Giant Com Report wherever you get your podcasts. You're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. You know the deal. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. I think you've been listening to me long enough. You should know how to spell it by now. But I'm going to tell you every time, just in case. Anyway, today I am joined by former Washington tight end Logan Paulson as we break down the newest commanders. Now, nobody's official. None of these moves are official until 4 o'clock Wednesday when that's the official start of free agency. But at that time, Washington will sign offensive lineman tackle Andrew Wiley, guard, center, wherever you want to put him, Nick Gates, and also linebacker Cody Barton. They also claim Cam Dantzler off waivers from the Minnesota Vikings. With Wiley and, and Gates, I want to have Logan on to kind of dissect their game. He was able to go watch them. He also watched new linebacker Cody Barton. So we talk about all three of their games, how they fit in Washington, what he's seen on the, from them and initial thoughts of him of, of his after watching them on film. Couple notes. Wiley, I was told, is going to play right tackle. That means Sam Cosby has been told he will play right guard. <clears throat> they may be both suited for guard, but you'll I think Logan gives some good explanations as to why this can work with Wiley at tackle, where he played in last year in Kansas City. He played guard as well. Um, I think, you know, anyway, so that's what the plan is right now as far as gates. His arrival does not mean that Chase Rouillet is automatically gone. I think if Chase returns, it would be with a pay cut. Um, coming off two years of, of back-to-back season injuries, I think that's, you know, it's it's awfully, it's an awful high cap number at 12 million, more than 12 million for Rouillet. So I think they could do if he comes back, it would be under that, under that scenario. Um, they they're, you know, we'll see what happens there, but it's not like Gates' arrival means that Rouillet is automatically out of here. Not the case at all. They also want to bring Tyler Larson back. So I would expect him to sign on that first day, of, or at least if not the first day of free agency, he's going to sign back. They want to bring back Cam Sims. They t- made a tender offer to Jeremy Reeves of safety. They've been trying to work out a multi-year deal with Reeves. Hasn't, haven't been successful. So it's it, right now he'll be on the tender, their tender offer. So, but he will be back because they made that offer. He's going to be back. Um, Again, Cam Sims, they want him, they want him back as well. Cole Holcomb, I was going to get to well, I'll get to the linebackers now because Barton's arrival does not mean they're done looking for linebackers. They want to sign someone else. They ideally would bring back Cole Holcomb. They would ideally would put him in a three-linebacker set. And I think I talked about this with Logan. Ideally, they would have him play the Sam. And you have Barton and Davis would be Barton would be the Mike and Davis Davis would be the Will when you're in a three linebacker set or if you want to mix and match gives you a lot of de- defensive flexibility but Holcomb's price is out there and there's a lot there's not a lot of uh, communication going on with those sides I don't 
I know Washington would like him back, but there you go. So they are talking to someone else. That's another spot that another player spot where they could add somebody. Then, of course, they lose Taylor Heineke to Atlanta. And when I was talking to Logan, we taped this earlier in the day. And at that time, Andy Dalton was still in the market. He subsequently, about 20 minutes after we were done taping, signed with Carolina. So when you get to that part, you can just kind of fast forward through the Andy Dalton part. But there are some quarterbacks out there. I don't even know where he necessarily was on their list. But what I what I know is the, the guys that they're looking at would be a guy like Gardner Minshew, Jacoby Brissett, should have mentioned him first, and then also Cooper Rush from Dallas, the ex from Dallas. So, and I think part of the reason with Cooper Rush is he went out and did what they – essentially got from Heineke this year, which is go out, play well enough to help your team win and then, and then get out. So anyway, those are three names to watch in the, in the coming days, as far as for what they, who they sign. I think Brissett would be perfect because he's been both a starter and um, knows how to be a good backup and is a good guy in the locker room and all that. And so I think that would be a good move, but we'll see one of those. I don't know if it'll be one of those three, but those are three names to watch. And then Washington fired offensive line coach John Matsko today. And so what I was told, and just it's curious thing, early in the offseason, we kind of heard that he maybe would either retire or maybe go just be done or 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 they would move on from him. Whatever. That didn't happen. He stayed here through the Bienemy, Eric Bienemy hiring. But over the course of a couple of weeks with them kind of working together, it became clear that there were quote unquote philosophical differences. And you got to keep in mind, the enemy runs coming from that West coast system. Matsko has been in a different system completely for, for a long, long time, if not his whole career. And it's, so I think there was just, again, philosophical differences. You have a coach who is set in doing it this way, or um, had been doing it this way for a long, long time in this system. Now you have another guy saying, Hey, try this, try that, try that. And it just, it leads to a situation that, eventually would be counterproductive. So they made the decision to move on from Matsko. So how do you replace them? Well, we first of all, I talked with Logan about the impact of that. How do you replace them? They have Travell Warden, who's been an assistant line coach since Rivera came. Um, he's been a line coach in the past. Could be a could be someone who fills that role. They also have Juan Castillo. Now I don't he's their tight ends coach. I don't think he's going to move on from the tight end job, but he does he is someone who he was a line coach and under Andy Reid in Philadelphia. Same system. So if nothing else, he's a good voice in that room or in certain, you know, planning meetings, whatever that can help them in, in that, in their transition. Again, to a lot of that with Logan Paulson, but I did want to give you some of the breakdown of what happened and why. So now, you know, let's get to my conversation with former Washington tight end, Logan Paulson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Logan, not exactly a sexy start to frenzy for Washington, <laughs> but, and I guess not even a start because that starts on Wednesday, but they've agreed to deals with a few guys in areas that they needed to get things done. So maybe not sexy, but maybe necessary. Um, but I am curious, two offensive linemen, Nick Gates, Andrew Wiley, linebacker Cody Barton, picked up Cam Dantzler, cornerback off waivers. But let's start with the O-line. Andrew yeah. Wiley and Nick Gates, what do you think? So let's start with Wiley because I think he's kind of the, you know, he's obviously getting more money. He's right. kind of the bigger name of the group. Right. Super Bowl, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And, like, you know, when you watch him, you know, he looks like a, this is going to sound mean, but he looks like a guard. And I do like his film a lot. I like the way he moves. I like the way he bends. He's a little bit more twitched up than I was expecting. Uh, but you do see some limitations against longer, more athletic pass rushers, which is what you'd expect from a guy with kind of his measurables and kind of his background, a guy that moved from guard to tackle. Um, you know, obviously, Max Crosby, when they played against uh, – um, Las Vegas uh, gave him fits and Von Miller gave him fits, but those guys give lots of people fits. Um, I think you see some, obviously some, some length limitations, but what you also see, which I think is really important is you under you, you see that Eric Bieniemy or Andy Reed, whoever is calling the plays understands how to put him in a good position to be successful. So what you see, especially later in the year, you see more chips, you see more play action pass, you see more RPO. And, um, and I think it allows him to, use and cultivate multiple sets that disrupt the edge rusher with a little bit of help from the play caller. So what I mean by that is like, obviously if you got chip help, right. I know I can jump this guy, right. right? Or if I, or if, or if there's a tight end nearby, I know he might play the chip. So there's an example with Hassan Reddick in the Super Bowl where um, Kelsey's in a tight split and Hassan Reddick jumps out to attack Kelsey on the route, you know, and as a result, Wiley's just able to set very nice and conservative and make the block. So I think that relationship is really important. Eric Bieniemy to Wiley is really important. I also think that Wiley can win you uh, drop back pass protection reps, you know, five to seven times a game, which is what you want, right? If you look at Kyle Shanahan, I know we talk about him, I talk about him a lot, but that was his goal is to limit the number of true dropback passing attempts so that the that a situation which normally does not favor the offensive lineman all of a sudden favors the offensive lineman. And I think that's what you're kind of getting with Wiley. A good play caller, a guy that understands what he's good at, and a guy that understands his limitations can maximize them. And when you look at the second half of that Kansas City season, I think that's what you see. It seemed like, too, when you'd watch him, he understands the positioning, obviously, pretty well. Mm -hmm. yeah. His footwork with the positioning. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think like you see, like I mentioned some of his like, like, on you know, like backside B block. So there's a three technique. So a guy playing off the outside shoulder of the guard, they got to cut him off. Like he's quick enough to get there. He's bendy enough to get there. He understands kind of how to leverage his body. He's not blowing dudes up. He's not like this kind of massive right. mauler. But it's like, nice. I think when you look at, you know, Cosby moving to guard and him playing tackle, you get two really athletic guys that can bend and move people and cover guys up on the second level. And if you want to be a run first team, everyone thinks you want big, nasty maulers, you know, 350 pound guys, like the best running teams I've been a part of have been kind of the squirrely undersized guys. And not that he's undersized, he's six five, three Oh five, but he's not, you know, Trent Brown in new England, who's 400 pounds. He's not that kind of guy. So I think the ability to move, the ability to run outside zone, the ability to run gap scheme 
it's great because like, you know, one of the things I had a conversation with a coach this off season at the senior bowl. And he mentioned to me, like, you can't run all the play action pass stuff. If you can't run outside zone. And last year they couldn't run outside zone because they didn't have enough athleticism at guard. And now all of a sudden you've got a, a pretty athletic tackle in Wiley and a very athletic guard in Cosme. And I think it brings some of that stuff to the forefront. And if you are able to do that, Look at um, what's a good example. Look at Atlanta. You know, um, Caleb McGarry struggled in pass protection the last three or four years. Comes in this year, they're more of a play action pass team, and he's got the one of the highest grades for any offensive lineman in all of the NFL. So, speaking to skill sets, understanding what they can and can't do well, and he, I think, can do that. Now, is it perfect? No, but. Um, I think he does add value. I think he's a pro that knows Bienemy's offense. And, you know, so for me, I was talking to someone earlier, like in a perfect world, it's Leno at right, Wiley at left, you draft a center, you got Cosme at guard, you draft a tackle. And I think you'd be like, wow, this is one of the best offensive lines in the NFL because that's how good I think Wiley is, especially when you can speak to his skill set more at guard. But he's athletic enough. He can play tackle. So I kind of see the vision for the staff. And um, and I'm excited to see what they do. But I do think he's a guy that is a scheme fit. And that's why you're able to kind of get him at a very team-friendly number. And um, and I, I think it's I think it's a good fit because of the enemy. And you know, it's funny because when I would watch when I watched them, and I only was able to watch um a few of the games, just kind of quickly go through it. Not I like to dive into it if you're gonna really watch, but because this is a you don't have the time to dive into it. At least yeah. I don't, but you can watch them. And a lot of it was get obstruct the guy, get in yeah. front of the guy. You know, you don't have to drive him 20 yards off the ball right. and, and just destroy him. It was more get in front of him. Do I, the other thing I noticed too, like in the Super Bowl, you're, he's going up against one play is going up against Hassan Reddick. The next play, Brandon Graham, two very different styles of rushers and seemed to do a good job with both. Now Graham would push him back. Right. Then Mahomes getting the ball out. So like that, comes back to what they hope Sam Howell can do, which is quick decision-making. But, you know, it did seem like he, you know, against Hassan, when one-on-one, he seemed to do a decent job. And I think that speaks to his foot speed and his foot quickness. I do think that, again, like with Cros- with Crosby, for example, like the longer rushers, the guys with those 34, 35-inch arms are going to give him a hard time. You know, like that's just kind of a fact of life because he's he's not the longest limb guy. So when you get like long arms, when you get power bulls with those two long arms in your chest, like you don't have a lot of surface area to anchor because you literally can't reach the off the, the defender. So that's something that he's going to have to contend with. But like I, like, like I said at the top, like the enemy – I think is very well aware of that because if you watch the game plans, second half of the season, last five games of the season, they are helping them out. It's not like they're totally augmenting their 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 game plan, but they're helping them out. A lot of play action, screens, uh, quick game, RPOs, and so the rusher never really gets a rhythm on the on the tackle. And if you call a game like that. That's outstanding. And if you look at this team last year, like with the defense playing the way they were, I think that's a very reasonable expectation going into 2023. Now, is that going to happen? I don't know. But we'll I think that's that's the plan. And I think if if you look at it that way, this is a good fit for this team. And, you know, it's funny to talk about the screen game because I talked about that with somebody this morning over there and just how different – because you're coming from a system that's the best screen system in the NFL. Yes. Coming to a team that was one of the worst at running it and, and just – not so much even just running it, but when, how, where. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part of it, though, was the getting out in space and not having guys who could block out in space enough. So mm-hmm. I think that kind of changes with this if you put Cosby inside and you have Wiley there. 
Uh, yeah, I think so too. I think if you get those guys, I think that's one of the things is, is he is a scheme fit. Mm-hmm. He's an identity fit. And so if, you know, I had this conversation with Sean McVay when he was the tight end coach here and he was like, you know, there's, there's five guys on a roster that are scheme agnostic that can go any scheme and play well. Everybody else is a scheme fit. So when you think of it that way, like these are the types of moves that need to be made. You need to get t- guys like this in here. And um, if he's a good, solid starting tackle, um, I think you're fine with that. And everyone's like, oh, like solid tackles don't do well. I think your your goal with the offensive line is to have five guys who are pretty good, which he is, he's pretty good, that elevate the group and they, they can be elevated with play calling. And I think you don't have to make huge financial investments in the group. I don't think this precludes them from drafting an offensive lineman, but I, I think um, I think that this is a nice scheme fit. And I think he understands the system and I think he understands, I think he, that's another thing I got to give him credit for. He really understands his strengths and weaknesses. And that is very valuable for a coach and for a player. So I, I think, is he, is he, you know, Trent Williams? No, but is he a serviceable starting right tackle in the NFL that has some position flexibility that can be elevated by scheme? Absolutely. And I think that's why you're bringing him in. What about Cosby going to guard? I, you know, we've talked about this before. It's funny because they are similar in terms of body type and style. I think you pointed something out with Wiley that I think Cosme needs to grow into is his ability to anchor versus stronger rushers. And he's, he's a little bit more barrel chested, a little thicker guy. He's like 315 pounds as opposed to the 300 to 299 that Cosme is. But I've always thought Cosme would be an excellent guard. And it's kind of the same thing. It's like he lacks ideal length. He's one of the best athletes at the position, you know, to come out in the combine in the last 10 years. You know, his RAS score is like nine and 9.9 or something crazy like that. So um, I think at guard, he, he can use his athleticism. He can use his speed. He can use his quickness to get to the second level, cover guys up, um, be in double teams against bigger body guys. And I think he bends well enough where he can move people off the spot. So I think ultimately this is this was probably his natural progression in terms of position. And I think, um, you know, when I talked to my old line buddies around the league, especially that year Cosme came out, um, one of the things that stood out is like, yeah, I really like him, but I think he's a guard. Like, I think he can play tackle, but I think he's a guard. And that was something that I agreed with in my evaluation. And I think he did fine playing tackle, but I think if you want an, an elite player or a high upside play, you play him a guard. And I think that's what they're going to do. Then they also get Gates um, from New York. Now yep. he played both guard. He played all three spots. He played three different spots in New York. Ended up, you know, a lot of time at center, and I think that's yeah. where they'd like to play him. And, you know, just be, so people listening, like it does right now, Chase Ruge is still in their plans. I do think if he returns, it would have to be with a different at a different salary because they're not going <laughs> to keep him at $12 million. And so, you know, my, I know that there was some – I think they approached his reps at the Combine about a new contract or a different contract, but – Gates coming in, and I think he'll be a center. And watching these guys, Logan, I kind of like him. And um, I, I just because he's physical and strong, like I felt like at center he anchored well. I don't, but I didn't like I said. I'm watching parts of games, and I saw him at guard, and I saw him at, at, at center. But w- what did you think? Yeah, so I think with with Gates, I think he's a guy like that again. Give flexibility. He played tackle his rookie right. year, so he's got some position flex. 
he's not overly twitchy, um, you know, which I usually kind of associate with centers. Like think of your Travis Kelsey's guys that can move and are a little bit undersized, a little bit squirrely. Uh, that's not him. You know, he's he's a guard playing center, tackle playing center. He's a bigger guy. He's 6'5". He's, uh, I think he's 315, 317 yeah, pounds. So big fella. And um, and I think that the thing that sticks out to me is like when I talk to people at the combine about Tippman, the center from Wisconsin, mm. one of the things they kept saying to me is I like a taller center because it helps with pass protection. And you see that with um, with him. I think you see his ability to kind of pass pro bigger. Longer. Why does that help? Well, because I think it's just the arm length thing, quite okay. frankly. You know, like a lot of centers are a little undersized and they have a hard time matching up. And so I think with him, you know, he's got 32 and a half inch arm. So not elite length, but good length for a guard. And get in there and kind of mix it up. He's a bigger, kind of heavier dude. And so I think that all helps with the pass pro. And I think, you know, he ran a five, four, five or something at his pro day. So not the fastest guy, but when he gets into space, he does a good job. And I think you mentioned like the toughness and the physicality. Like yeah, he is a like. he's a junkyard dog. You know, he's not the same kind of absolute mauler that Wes Schweitzer was, but he's got a little bit, I think he's got a little bit of better upside in the pass protection game. And I think he's good enough in the run game and he's nasty enough in the run game that you say you like what he does for you. And I think he's the perfect swing center guard guy, yeah. perfect swing interior guy, play all three spots, uh, play center. Like you said, he played a lot last year. And so again, in terms of fit and need, I think that's excellent. And um, I don't think he's going to start. I think he could start if you needed to kind of like West did for you this year, right. but I think you're probably looking for, you know, a higher upside spot, uh, higher upside player at the position. And that's why Ruye and Tyler Larson, they'd like back as well. And Larson mm -hmm. right now is a free agent, but the plan has been as of this taping to bring him back. So that would, ex you know, that I think he could, because he can play guard that flexibility. I just, I like, like he's a very physical blocker and, you know, I did and like smart like, and yeah. smart. I and heard he, that like, too like, about him. Yeah. And like, like you said, he, you know, like you said with, uh, uh, Wiley, like understanding leverages, understanding position, understanding angles. Mm -hmm. And for a guy that maybe isn't the best athlete in the world, like he gets the job done and yeah. he gets it done consistently and he does a good job with it. So I think he's a good football player. You need good football players on your team. He's a depth piece, I think, right now. But I think it's like, like, uh, Wiley is a, as a fit guy, I think, um, this guy's a little bit more agnostic in terms of scheme. I think he could play in multiple schemes. And I think that's one of the reasons you bring him in because he gives you some flexibility, but I like his tape a lot. And I think he's a good football player. Is he, does he have limitations? Yes. But so does everybody else. I like describing him as agnostic. You don't get that a lot um, in football discussions. So I appreciate that, but it's good. <laughs> but, it, but like when, when I was watching him too, I watched him against the Eagles in their last game of the regular season and does a pretty good job against Hargraves, you know, just again, the ability to yeah. anchor in pass pro is something that from the backups last year, if you got beyond, you know, like whether it's Chase or Larson, that's one thing that Wes I thought was much better against the, in the run game as a center than he was in pass pro. Um, but yeah, Wes always arrived with bad intentions. And I always liked that watching him run block down the field, always, always kind of got there a little yeah. bit angry. And I like that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
All right, so they they also they're moving on from from Matsko. They're the line coach. Kind of a surprise on March 14th as we tape this, but what did you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously the timing is a little bit interesting. You know, I think uh, in terms of when they can get stuff done. Um, you know, the enemies on the staff. Does he play a role? Uh, you know, there was right when the season over, like everyone's like, oh, is this guy going to get fired? He is, his name came up, but like you're kind of like, oh, it's the end right. of the season. Everyone's kind of talking right. like that. But um, I do think, you know, there were some things that I thought could have been better in terms of run scheme. Now, how much does he have to do with that? I have no idea. Um, but usually that's where the bag stops, you know, if you're this is the, with the O-line coach. And, uh, you know, also I think there were some elements of, you know, developing young guys. I've talked to guys around the league that I'm close with that have played for him. And they said he's excellent for veterans. He knows how to take care of you. He kind of knows what you need. He can get you prepped, all those different things. But for young guys, they they tend to need a little bit more in terms of what he offers. Now, I want to make this perfectly clear. I think Matt Scow's an excellent offensive line coach. He was always very respectful to me around the building. He's a true pro. I think he did a great job in 2022. Yeah. one in terms of kind of piecemealing that thing together so he deserves a ton of credit but i do think that they're needed you know like if you're really looking at it critically there's some schematic things that could be elevated um you know matt scow is very traditional in his approach so i think that you know that's probably part of it and uh you know the development of the young guys if you've got some pieces you know with cosme and and possibly uh chris paul who need to develop maybe you feel like you need to go in a different direction if you're wrong yeah, and City Charles in there too, but for yes, Sadiq, City, yeah, for him, it's usually been more about um, staying healthy than anything else, um, more so than than just developing. And it's funny because he kind of was the opposite of Bill Callahan, whom the veterans yes. did not love, but but was always good for. Like agents love putting their young guys with Callahan, and it is funny because like I know some of the vets were were disappointed at the news today. Yeah. And I think, I think he has a lot of respect. Like, you know, like I said, he's a fantastic person. He's a fantastic professional to be around the building. Always, you know, Hey Logan, how are you? Very, very kind and courteous. Doesn't have to do that, you know? Um, so it is sad to see him go, but I do think, like you said, in terms of comparing him to Bill Callahan, Bill Callahan was the master of developing young athletes, right. young offensive linemen. And um, I think sometimes you need, you need a little touch of that and maybe it's time to kind of switch things up and, get a breath of breath of fresh air in there. So, and it's funny cause like, you know, with Callahan, I don't know that you need a hard charger necessarily because I think the enemy, <laughs> I think the enemy is going to take care of that for a lot of people. But when you look at the staff now, you're going to have a new, and I'm going to get to Cody Barton in a minute, but you have a new O-line coach, new quarterback coach, mm-hmm. new offensive coordinator, and a, almost a completely new quarterback room, except for, well, I guess Jake Fromm, I think he'll be back in some role, whether it's practice squad or whatever, but, um, but still that's, that's a lot of change to then go out in a year where it's a must win year. It is a lot. It's a lot to do. Um, And it'll be really interesting to see who they hire on the offensive line. I think I've brought this up on your podcast before, but the offensive line um, coach is always considered your your fourth off your fourth coordinator position right, right? right. so it is a big hire it is and a i think huge one. you know so it, it it's a they talk to the most guys on the offense the most consistently maybe the most impactful group they do the protections they do the run game they get that stuff all detailed up so you need to make sure that's an excellent hire i don't know have you heard any rumors about travel maybe getting that job because I, I i like him for that i don't know if you've heard yeah anything and about. i have you know i think it's early it's so early because we just heard we just found this out a couple hours ago so it's a little bit early, and there's some there's some others out there. Kansas City has an assistant line coach. Mm. It could be, you know, it could be a few guys. But and by the time we, you know, shoot, by the time people listen to this, we may even know. I don't know. Yeah. But um, 
you know, it is, but it is a big job and it is like, that is a lot of change. And I just wonder how that's going to all fit. Um, yeah. and, you know, the, I think for the if he can bring in a guy that he knows, well, that's a benefit, you know, yeah. then, then it lessens then maybe it actually helps because you you have another guy who knows this system, which I think will be, will be key. And it's, you know, so, but it is, it is a, lot, a big change. And for Rivera, it's a third guy he's gotten rid of that you that you wondered would he ever and I've never thought that Matsko needed to go by any means, but between him and Scott Turner and Sam Mills over the last six, mm-hmm. seven months, there's some big changes for him. It is and there are some big changes, kind of surprising changes. I mean, that's one of the reasons you think Matsko's never gonna leave because of his relationship right. with Ron. But I do I do think to your point, like this would be very helpful for Bienemy, bringing someone in like this that can get his terminology, get the coaching points worked out. I, that actually gets me kind of excited because one of the challenges here is Eric Bienemy getting this offense installed, not from a pass game concept for the receivers, but for all the detail that they bring in the run game, in the protections, in the screen game, and in the RPO. So having someone who can do that, uh, I think is absolutely critical and i think you know while this is a hard tough pill to swallow because of what matt scow has done the last couple of years i ultimately i think that this is going to kind of trend the team in the right direction to help kind of trend the enemy's tenure in the right direction because that's such an important position in terms of communicating the offense and and i don't know if this is and this, again that we're talking at 5 30 on tuesday but juan castillo was a line coach in philly yes. mm-hmm. with andy reed and in this system and they also have a new receivers coach in Bobby Ingram, and I didn't put him in that because I think of all the changes on that staff, that was the, that was the one that's like, I think that'll be, I don't know how to say it, but like that that receiver group is really good already. It'll be straightforward. It'll be straightforward. It'll be straightforward. There's not a lot of right, right, right. Of I think they're there. going to be in good hands there, but the other ones are bigger changes. Sure. Um, and also I think more impactful to your offense because of who's at that position, the young guy in Howell, then a new line coach and then a new coordinator. So it's very different and it can be all good. We don't mm. know, but it's a lot of change. So the other thing, Logan, when last one is Cody Barton and I was watching him. The funny thing is, so I'm watching him against Kansas city and I find myself thinking like, man, Kansas city. I mean, obviously they have a great offense. We know that, mm. but the number of times you'd see a, somebody start left, come back, right, do this. Like, I'm not sure. You know, then I was like, oh, okay, if that's what they're looking for. And they, we saw some of that, but like they do a really good job of that. Right. So I found myself watching the Chiefs offense as much as anything, even though we're all <laughs> familiar with it. But anyway, yeah, what yeah. would you think of Cody? So I think Cody's a guy that is a really interesting kind of find. And I think he's got a high upside possibility. And what I mean by that is when you look at him, he's hasn't played a lot of football. He was backing up Bobby Wagner. And obviously Bobby Wagner's, you know, right. the best linebacker the last you know, since Ray Lewis, pretty much, right? He's outstanding. So, um, you know, he's backed up there and he kind of came into the season, I think started a little bit slow, quite frankly, you know, but I think when you watch him as the season goes on, he just kind of keeps getting better. And I think that's encouraging. I think he's got a little bit of snap to him. He's got a little bit of pop to him. Uh, He's okay in coverage. I think he's better kind of attacking the line of scrimmage. He's physical off blocks. He's instinctive towards the run game, which is something that, you know, no offense to Cole or Jamin, they haven't had a guy who's overly right. instinctive in the run game. So it looks nice. He's decisive downhill to the football. Um, and I don't think he's a bad athlete. I think he's a decent athlete. You know, I think Cole, if I was going to give it to somebody, I'd say Cole's slightly better. But I think he can cover. And I think he can find spots. And I think he's a guy that strikes me as a guy who's going to play good football this year for this team. You know, you know the and- other 
The other thing, too, that jumped out, and again, watching that Chiefs game, was the inability of those Seattle defensive tackles to either hold the double team or, if they're leaving early, to then win on the play. And that would affect Barton in a number of plays. Which obviously isn't the case here, right? Right. You've got two guys inside, you know, and then you got Phil and Ridgeway who are good at holding blocks and holding point and doing stuff like that. So I don't think that'll be an issue for him. So I do think you'll see a guy who, again, he he strikes me as a little bit of a diamond in the rough kind of thing that could be become a nice starter. And if you're getting a guy for a year, what is it, three and a half? I think you feel pretty good about that opportunity. He he wore the green dot for some games for them. He called the defense. So. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be Brian Erlach or anything like that, but I do think that there is a nice upside with him that gets that gets you excited about kind of flushing out that room and different roles for different guys. And I think that's that's kind of exciting, especially at that price point. Right. And I think, you know, the funny thing is, too, like my understanding is, first of all, again, considered a really smart player, converted safety, mm. um, but smart player. But also it sounds like in Seattle that, the scouting department or the front office wanted him playing before the coaches put him out there. So like they had been uh, clamoring for him. So there was like, I think there was a guy that they saw the upside. And sometimes, you know, this. like sometimes coaches, coaches only see right. A lot of times only see right now right. who can help me win right now, because we have to win right now. Whereas front office, you're looking to develop. And I think like he, that's why he, to me is a little bit intriguing for that reason. Uh, absolutely. And I think it, he speaks to kind of the guy they like. He's a taller, he's six, two and a half. He's 240 ish pounds. He's got, he's rangy, you know, I think he's, he's kind of their type and I think that's exciting for them. So, and you know, it's funny because um, I don't think it precludes them from keeping, from getting, going out and keeping Cole Holcomb either. Right. Um, unless by the, you know, I'm looking at my phone just to make sure that Cole Holcomb didn't sign in anywhere <laughs> at the time we're talking, but I do know, like, because the reasoning is that if you if you brought Holcomb back, you can have um, Barton as a Mike. You have you could have Jamin as a Will, and then you could put Cole as a Sam. Now they don't use a lot of three linebacker sets, but mm-hmm. what it does do, first of all, you can you can mix and match. I'm sure with that, you can yeah. speak to that. But also, like, if you wanted to go, if they're facing, let's say, a heavy personnel package. And you want to use three linebackers now instead of dropping Cam Curl down there in the Buffalo nickel, you got you have Cole Holcomb in that role, and you have a bigger package and and maybe you know decent linebacker set to to combat that. Do you, what do you think? Do you you know? And I don't know if that like you know what do you think? Yeah, obviously it's still early in the offseason, so right. we'll see kind of as we go. But right, I do right. think I do think that that's great. I mean, one of the things that they've always had a hard time with is keeping linebacker depth and linebacker flexibility yes. you know and that's why the safeties have been so valuable to this defense because they carry three you know and so if you could carry a fourth guy with some special teams value and a guy that can kind of get in get in the mix on you know first and second down or heavy packages or goal line that's got a little bit more athletic upside i think you feel pretty good about that and I, again like his film the athletic upside of his film is intriguing and i you know nothing against mayo but i I like mayo i like the way he plays but he's always kind of going to be limited right because of who he is right it's like a will compton scenario like will compton's an excellent player but he's never going to be an elite player because there are some i was the same way i'm not this is not a criticism it's just i'm trying to be you know point out (laughs) something here and so um and so I, i do think there's some athletic upside with this guy that that gets you excited and says maybe you can have a larger role in the defense and him and Jamin together, him, Jamin and Cole in certain situations. Like 
that's a scary athletic group of linebackers. And when you look at that position, much like tight end, it's driven by traits and speed and ability to cover in space and to get a guy kind of on the cheap on the, on the, you know, on the, in the bargain bin is, is pretty cool. I think so. And then they obviously claimed Cam Dance for a corner from, I don't know if you've seen him, but I know that like, I haven't watched him yet. Yeah. And yeah. I haven't, you know, I, what I know is that they, you know, he's a guy that I think they're excited about because yeah. I think they, they saw enough flashes. I know in Minnesota is very up and down. So who knows? I mean, I think they're yeah. kind of hoping that they get lucky like they did with Ronald sure. Darby a couple of years ago, but we'll find out. And I think, I mean, I think what all these moves do is it kind of gives them some flexibility going into the draft. And as far as what direction you go with that 16th pick, I'd still go offensive line somewhere because I just think I, I'd keep adding there um, until, you know, um, but it uh, gives you flexibility. But then you also, they also lost Taylor Heineke signs with the Falcons. Yeah. I know they wanted to keep them. I know they were pretty set on a, I don't think they wanted to go above 5 million per year. And the Falcons went up. It's, up to 20 million, but it's until we see the details, like of it, it's never. Yeah. I, I, was, I was talking to Craig and he said, it's really seven in the first really, year. So yeah, correct. It's really in that seven range. I haven't seen all the details. That's, that's my understanding, but they were holding firm on five. Right. So, you know, but what do you, what are you losing him? What do you think? I, I just don't know if you're going to find a cheaper veteran in that same category. Like, you know, so. Jacoby Percet, did he, is he signed yet? Like no. what did Andy Dalton, and that, Andy, I know Andy Dalton signed with Miami, correct. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, but th that kind of pantheon of guy, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. They're going to ask in my estimation for like eight to 10 million. So getting Heineke in that 7 million range seems like a fair market value because he's a little bit cheaper than those other guys. So I think this is going to be interesting to see where they go here. Cause you know, Keenum's off the market. I, I thought they were going to be in the market for a very specific type of guy. Um, and the longer this drags out without them signing a backup quarterback, it, it becomes interesting. The draft becomes more compelling, I think in terms of getting a guy in the draft that they like. And I know um, uh, the kid McKee is getting some buzz. I know PFF has him as like their number one rated quarterback or something crazy like that, but he, he probably will be available in the second round, second or third round. So like the longer this pushes out, the more it's like, maybe that's the way they're looking at this. I have no idea, yeah, but I think they'd like to get a veteran. And I, I would, I think we all would, right. Unless something's happened, Dalton is still available. Okay. So, so but that, but, that would be a guy to keep an eye on. Obviously. Correct. I agree. Well, he's been in this offense. He's been in a lot of offenses and I, I had Sam Forty on the other day, and I told him, like, you know, at some point Dalton's going to roll through Washington because they all do at some point. <laughs> but but it's all, you know, I think Brissett would, is a guy to watch. Um, you also have a guy like Mason Rudolph, who's been in the West Coast system the last couple of years in Pittsburgh, um, doesn't have the same experience or or skill level or, or results. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, guys like that, and, and there's – I mean, Chase Daniel around, but like, those guys are like career backups. I think they want someone who, if you go, if he's got to go in and play for five, six games, can can at least not cost you games. But Absolutely. and that's what Heineke did well. Like for all the stuff that people want to talk about, I'm like, they were, you know, he did a good job when he went in there. He maxed out, and it's not his fault that they never had a better solution or that other guys got hurt. I totally agree, and that's why I'm a little. Because I, I I think I, my gut says I haven't looked at the markets or the contract values yet, but I feel like the Brissettes, uh, you know, the Daltons are going to go for more money than Taylor. I don't and, I don't know if Dalton will because of his age. Okay, and, and I don't know if that will what that will do for him or not. 
Um, when Mike White's getting two for 16, again, you see the breakdown, but like when you're seeing that, like, yeah, you know, then it puts it at a different level and same with Heineke, but I don't know. It would, Brissett would be more interesting. I think if, yeah. if they got him, I think you may have to go a little bit more and, and will they, would they be willing to do that for him? Um, but again, he's, you know, got what they need is a veteran who is capable of starting and winning games for you or helping you win games and then being good in the locker room and being a good mentor. And I think like those guys fit that bill. So absolutely. Yeah. And it sounds like we're on the same page. It's just, yep. I don't, it'll be interesting to see what they, you know, if, if 5 millions as much as they wanted to go with Taylor, something tells me that those other guys are going to get more. Cause I think they're, they're more accomplished. They've, they are, but I want, and that's the thing is, would they be willing to go higher for, for someone for, else, for him, yeah, someone else. And they, Freed up a little bit more money by releasing JD McKissick today, one point two million. But that was not that was expected because the neck and and whatever. But anyway, um, Logan, always great to have you on. You know, it's funny. I was going to ask you too, and we only have about a couple minutes left. But what have you learned? Like you've been going to the combine, you're doing all this stuff. Are you seeing the game from a different perspective now? I mean, is are there Uh, things you've obviously been a very smart player your whole time, but how different has it been for you? And it's almost like a master class, maybe. I wonder. Oh yeah, it's so fun. It's so it's so fun to kind of look at the game from this from this perspective and think about free agency from a team building standpoint. Think about the draft from a team building strategy. Like if I'm the GM, right? And it it really changes your understanding and complexion of players and how you value players and what you're willing to pay for players. Like you know, Wiley's a perfect example in my opinion. Like it was easy a guy that kind of blows your hair back. No, but for the money, for the value to get a starting right tackle that fits this scheme it's it's all of those boxes check as a favor towards Washington, you know, and even though he's not the the sexy pick, it's going it, to, it, it, I would play the percentages that it would work out this way. And all of that information has come from conversations at the combine, conversations with GMs and scouts. And you're kind of like, man, they think about this completely different yeah. than a coach does or a player. Yeah. It's this, it's, it's years down the road. It's, it's chestnut checkers. Yeah. And so that, yes whole team building thing has been super fascinating to see. Um, check them out in the take command, take command podcast with Craig Hoffman <laughs> and always check them out on Instagram because you are, you're always posting clips up there that are good breakdowns from what, you know, from your work with the commanders, tell them what your hand, handle is. Yeah. Uh, Logan underscore Paulson 82. And then obviously, um, you know, the command center stuff is on the right. YouTube page, which is the right. Washington commanders YouTube page. So make there sure you go. check that out. There you go. Logan. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Logan for joining me. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. And don't forget, go follow Logan on Instagram like he told you. Um, And you can, again, listen to his Take Command podcast with Craig Hoffman. Both very good works. And then, of course, Logan does a breakdown uh, for the commanders on, on, on the YouTube page for the commanders. So there you go. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode Thursday night, Friday morning. Talk to you next time.